Welcome to the podcast of Faith Presbyterian Church here in Clinton, Louisiana. I'm glad you found us. My name is Tony Piles, and I'm the pastor here. I pray this recording brings you encouragement and growth in Christ, and we would love for you to join us in person anytime you are in town. Check our website, faithchurchclinton.org, for our current schedule of worship and Bible studies. And may God bring you blessing through what you're about to hear. Thank you. Psalm 8. To the choir master, according to the Gittith, the Psalm of David. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, at the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, How majestic is your name in all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Please be seated. Lord God, would you open our eyes this morning that we might behold wonderful things in your law. In Jesus' name, amen. What is man? If ever there was a question for the philosophers, this is it. And there's certainly no shortage of answers out there. Is man a worm or a god? Is man mere dust? Or is man stardust? Psalm 8 tackles this question, but with a particular angle, as a study in wonder, bounded by praise. We find in this psalm the the wonder of creation and the wonder of humanity, and also the wonder of Christ, all proceeding from and moving toward a proclamation of the excellence and majesty of the Lord's name. We'll consider those kinds of wonder in order, but let us not lose sight of the way David intertwines them together in this poem. He doesn't separate them out quite the way we will. So first then, the wonder of creation. He says, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Verse 1. 
The first thing we notice in this psalm is the way David is struck by the wonder of the created order. Think about the vastness of creation, its immensity. There's a way to be struck by the vastness of creation that's it's humorous or annoying or discouraging. That's when you're, you're on a hiking loop and you take the wrong turn and it takes you quite a bit further from your car than you expected and you bought a small water bottle. Or when you look up from the end of a row and you see just how much of the yard there is left to mow. This is a common experience, especially this time of year. That's not what David has in mind. Perhaps you've been on a road trip and you've driven west across I-40. And you see the Rocky Mountains and you think you're almost there. And an hour later, you think you're almost there. And another hour later, you think you're almost there. Or you've visited the Grand Canyon or you look up and you see the night sky and It's just, wow. You can't help but feel small in that moment. And the drive itself will make you feel that way. Going west on I-40 again, out across northern New Mexico, 65, 70 or more miles an hour, right? I remember as a kid, we'd be approaching Albuquerque and I could see the mountain that's just on the east side of Albuquerque. And I was like, we're almost there. And two hours later, we're almost there. And then finally, what seemed like an eternity, you start to wind your way up and it's best at night, right? You, you crest the mountain, you could see the lights of the city below. And these examples just from our own continent, begin to speak to us of just how great creation is. Think about the wider world. Thinking of, think about being out on the sea, far enough out that you can't see land at all. Terrifying for some of us. Think about outer space. We just put a new telescope up there and we're seeing things that we didn't even know were there. And we already were flabbergasted by how huge the world up there is. With ever increasing detail, with more and more pictures of ever more distant planets and stars and whole galaxies. We see the vastness in size. We see the the grandeur of creation. But we're also struck with wonder when we see how complex the created order is. We think a lot of ourselves as humanity as we think about the the engineering marvels of something like a, a modern automobile. It's not the way it strikes us when you take it to the mechanic. right? But... But just how complex it is. We think very highly of ourselves as a people. But consider the motion of stars and planets. Consider the study of ecosystems and and all the interrelated parts where such small changes can have such huge effects. Think of the science behind 
high-powered flight, that we can move through the air like birds until something goes wrong and we can't. We see it in the examination of a rock or or a drop of pond water under a microscope, same water you accidentally swallowed while you were swimming. It's a little frightening, actually. We see it in the complex working of our own bodies, especially as they begin to break down. Our bodies, which have somewhere between 30 and 40 trillion cells working together moment by moment. Thinking about creation's vastness, its complexity, but think about its power. The raw power at work in creation. Perhaps you've tried to stand up against the force of a wave on the beach. Imagine that did not work out very well for you. Or perhaps you felt the wind moving a huge sailboat across the water. And maybe you've seen firsthand the destruction of tornadoes and hurricanes earthquakes and fire. Even in the animal kingdom, we're struck by the strength and power of elephants and tigers and whales and alligators. One might think that in this day and age, some of the wonder of creation has been lost to us. I mean, we've climbed the highest mountains, not, not me, but people. People have climbed Mount Everest, right? We've tackled these things. We've emerged victorious, never mind the the bodies that never make it down. Can we not cross these vast oceans in a matter of hours? So much faster than the fastest birds and fish. Do we not explore the depths of the sea and gaze into the far corners of the heavens? Is it meaningful anymore to say with David, you set your glory above the heavens? When we've set men on the moon and we've sent picture-taking probes beyond the asteroid belt. And yet, and yet, like a mountain that that you, you reach its summit only to find out that it was the first and there are several more after it, even taller. So each of our discoveries leads to more questions, more wonder, things we didn't even know we didn't know. How then do we respond to this wonder? We could look at everything under the sun as the author of Ecclesiastes does and and be struck by the futility of human knowledge. And judge that looking under the sun only, we're in the end no better off than the beasts that live like us and die and return to the dust. We could respond with awe and wonder like Carl Sagan, looking to the heavens but no further. Declaring ourselves children of the stars and made of star stuff. Pretty high sounding. Think about that for a minute. If that's true, if we're made of the stuff of stars, well, so is the beetle that you stepped on. 
and the cricket you put on your fish hook. It takes a little bit of grandeur out of that high-sounding phrase. But the Lord has set his glory above the heavens. And when the wonder of creation draws our vision upward, we can do no better than respond with David. How majestic, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I think at times our children know this better than we do. Maybe that's part of what David means when he says, out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength. Does not the simple phrase, the enthusiastic praise, the childlike faith and quiet awe of a child impressed by the glory of God's world in some measure, doesn't it show up all the ramblings of the atheists? Consider the wonder of creation. But that wonder of creation leads David to the the central question of the psalm as we think about the wonder of humanity. Look at verses 3 and 4. When I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? In the face of creation's vastness and complexity and beauty and power, what are you and I? What is mankind? Those modern discoveries that I mentioned actually lend some perspective to David's question. He asks this in the face of a night sky filled with a starry host set in place by the fingers of God. A host that Isaiah says the Lord calls forth by name. I'm terrible with names. I'm still learning some of yours. Many of you are much better at names than I am, but think about that for a minute. On a clear night with ideal conditions, you or I could see maybe 5,000 stars. Right? Uh, but with the aid of instruments like the Hubble telescope, and we're going to have to revise these estimates now. This is old information. But we've been able to determine that on a conservative, a very conservative estimate, there are perhaps 10 billion galaxies in the observable universe alone. And those, each of those galaxies has an average of perhaps 100 billion stars. That's a lot more zeros than I care to count. I teach Old Testament, not math. But if there are one billion trillion or more stars that the Lord has set in place, many of them much larger than our own sun, and each of them is called forth by name, then what are you and I? What are you and I that the Lord would take notice of us? 
that he would know our names. For you, that he would know you by name. And yet he does. He does. And herein begins, begins the wonder of humanity, that the one who made the heavens and set his glory above them takes notice of and cares for the likes of you and me. But there's more. Not only does the Lord care for humanity, but he set us in a lofty position, just a, just a little lower than the heavenly beings. So that every man and woman and boy and girl is, as it were, an official in God's royal administration of his universe. This is the opposite of what we might expect. God is great and we are small. And yet he not only cares for us, but exalts us to a high position in his kingdom. And more still, we are crowned with honor and glory. David tells us that in verse 8. You've made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with honor and glory. Think about that. When you're struggling to get along with somebody you don't like very much. They're set just underneath the angels and they're crowned with honor and glory. So are you. Think on that when you struggle with your own worth and value. And you're troubled by what other people think of you. The Lord of all creation has crowned you with honor and glory. We are of great value to the one who made us. And everything we have is from him. This position is one in which he placed us. This honor and glory that we possess is is not the crown of our own achievements. It's not like Charlemagne reaching and taking the crown and putting it on his own head. But it's something with which the Lord has crowned us. And it comes with a responsibility. For part of the wonder of humanity is the dominion that we have been given. All of creation has been placed under our care by the Lord. We see this in verse 6 and after. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. And see how David fills out this picture. All creatures, from domesticated livestock to wild animals in the woods. Birds and fish and mysterious creatures in the depths of the sea. This lofty position, this honor and glory come with a responsibility to rule. The psalm is echoing Genesis 1 here where man and woman are instructed to rule over creation. Not for exploitation, 
but to cultivate Eden and the world as a garden where they'll dwell together in God's presence. One has said of the way these things work together that that the psalm invites us to see all the civilizing work of the human species as honor and glory conferred on it by God and therefore as cause and content for the praise of God. In recognizing this as God's doing, we have dominion, but a dominion that is bounded by doxology, that is fenced in by the praise of God, so that the wonder of humanity points us again to the majesty of the Lord's name. But there's more here. There's more here. For beyond the wonder of creation and the wonder of humanity in this psalm, there is also the wonder of Christ. The wonder of Christ. As we consider this psalm in the full witness of Scripture, it takes on a new element because it's speaking to us of the Lord Jesus. In Christ's incarnation, we find the one whose name is majestic in all the earth, entering into the world that he has made and tabernacling among us. It's with the coming of Christ that we see this this puzzling picture of infants stopping God's enemies play out on Palm Sunday as the confession of Jesus by the children is set over against the anger of the chief priests and the scribes. Consider Matthew 21, verses 4 through 7, which I should have bookmarked, so give me just a moment. This is happening as the the Lord is Entering Jerusalem, it says, This took place to fulfill what was spoken of by the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road. Others cut branches from the trees, spread them on the road. There should be 14 through 17. Sorry, not 4 through 7. There we go. We'll skip down a few verses. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, did you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read? Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. The psalm speaks to us of creation. It speaks of us to us of humanity, but it speaks to us of Jesus. 
Jesus, who makes clear in that moment, not only that Psalm 8 is being realized, but he comments on the chief priests and the scribes as enemies of God. Enemies stopped by the mouths of children. Still more, the author of Hebrews draws out how this picture of our exaltation being raised up to just beneath the angels is a picture of Christ's humiliation as he's set lower. He says in Hebrews 2, beginning at verse 5, for it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. Don't do that on a paper. It has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You've crowned him with honor and glory, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. The Westminster Shorter Catechism, reflecting on this, puts it this way. For he who was with God in the beginning became for a little while lower than the angels, being born, and that in a low condition, made under the law, undergoing the miseries of this life, the wrath of God, the cursed cursed death of the cross, and being buried and continuing under the power of death for a time. Yet he's also been exalted, crowned with honor and glory, with everything put in subjection under him. So the shorter catechism again, summarizing his exaltation, puts it this way, his rising again from the dead on the third day, ascending up into heaven and sitting at the right hand of God the Father and coming to judge the world at the last day. And as the psalm moves us to reflect on the wonder of Christ, it also solves a riddle that we're otherwise left with. For as beautiful as this description of our position and our dominion is, we don't experience that ideal in this world? Maybe you do. I mean, I sure don't. Across an entire spectrum, from from dogs digging holes in the garden to shark attacks in the ocean, our dominion over the creatures is imperfect at best. Sometimes so fleeting, we wonder if it's even true. That's to say nothing of the rest that's implied in that phrase, all things. But in Christ, these things come to pass in fullness. And insofar as we are in Christ, then these things are true of us 
as well. The first Adam was created to rule. The last Adam now sits enthroned at the right hand of God. And he shall come again with glory to judge the quick and the dead. The wonder of Christ spoken of in this psalm, his humiliation, but his exaltation, his session, his sitting at the right hand of the Father grounds our hope and moves us to say in a fresh way, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for this psalm that moves us to wonder. To wonder at the work of your hands, to wonder at your ways with us, to wonder at what you have done for us in Christ. And to turn it all back to you in praise. May we draw strength and encouragement and comfort and hope from these things. And we ask this all in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to the podcast of Faith Presbyterian Church here in Clinton, Louisiana. Check our website, faithchurchclinton.org, for more teaching and for our current schedule of events if you'd like to drop in. We pray this recording has been a blessing to you. Go in peace.